thing got really stinky like a couple weeks ago. It got really stinky and I cleaned it off since then, but now I have like phantom stink. Do you get, does that ever happen to you? It's my least favorite Star Wars. Like, you know how that was very good, but do you know how like, <clears throat> this is the episode, by the way, you know how sometimes something stinks, but then you clean it, but then you look at it and you're like, you stank once. <laughs> That's how I feel about this water bottle. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hey, it's Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Do you like how cash that was? Hey, it's Griffin McElroy. Oh, hey, Griffin here. Griffin McElroy for Radio Lab. What's the <laughs> one we do? I'm sorry I opened up with our stinky bottle, but... Wonderful. This is a podcast where we talk about all the greatest stuff that we're into and you're into. And it's also the Max Fun Drive, and that's very good. And also Stinky Bottles. And Stinky Bottle Day. Go wash those bottles. It's so important. Because I look at it, and I'm like, I know how that stink got there. And it was from my mouth. Yeah. My mouth put the stink on it. Mm-hmm. And I have to live with that. Because <laughs> I don't know what's going on in there. What kind I, of- Hey, I kiss that mouth. How you kiss that I mouth feel? sometimes. That's disgusting. I know. I'm well, glad I mean, you... I don't, I don't know. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's the Max Fun Drive. This is the time of year we did it last week, and this is the last week of the Max Fun Drive. So if you're waiting for an invitation, <laughs> Buster, uh, time's uh, time's running out. I don't know who you're waiting on it. Invitation. If your name is Buster, we would like you to donate. All Busters must donate. Uh, who else? But if your name's Buster, Melissa, mm-hmm. uh, Sean, Sean, Shonda, mm-hmm. uh, money time. For Trevor. You. Trevor, come on. You owe us, Trevor, specifically. You know what for. <laughs> uh, no, we are uh, part of the Maximum Fun Network, and the Max Fun Network is supported by listeners like you. So if you have the means and you enjoy our show uh, and maybe a bunch of shows on the network, then consider becoming a supporting member of the Max Fun Network. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. You're going to get a bunch of bonus stuff when you do, including a bunch of bonus episodes of all the shows on the network uh, from... Well, throughout time, there's hundreds of hours and a bunch of other gifts that we're going to get to um, when we get to them. I don't know. You know, pretty loosey-goosey here, but do you want to start doing the show? Yeah. Hi, I, this is Griffin, and my bottle stinks. <laughs> do you want to do your first thing? Yes. What is it? Uh, interview podcasts. Interview podcasts. Yes. So you're talking about... Uh, I mean, of course, Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. Bullseye on this with Jesse Thorne on this network. The, um, also, Fresh Air, Terry Gross. Fresh Air is Terry Gross's one. It's where not really she, a podcast, but it can be listened to in podcast form. True. And she, on that one, on Fresh Air, will talk to people and be like, who's your stylist? And they'll be like, oh, you know, Hurricane. And they'll be like, oh, I love it. Maybe you can't hear his... Because so, I said hair... Oh, for share. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. So would it be funny if Terry grows for like April Fool's? We just miss it. But maybe next year I'll call her up and be like, do a thing with me. Fresh hair. Um, it's going to be really good. Justin got Roman Mars to do a funny thing with him. I want Terry grows. <laughs> um, yeah. And I listen to a lot of like other like celebrity ones too, like, uh, WTF and Armchair Expert and, Listen to Anna Ferris's podcast. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I found that I really like listening to people being interviewed about what makes them them. Yeah. Is this an interview podcast? I mean, in a way. In what way? <laughs> in <laughs> we what? ask, we, we kind of get to know each other. Oh, I see. Like we bring something to the table and then we ask each other questions about it. Okay. So I could ask you, like, 
grapes. The purple ones or the green ones? And now it's basically fresh hair. Purple. Yeah, that's right. You're really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went to school for Yeah, it. so here's the thing. I actually wanted to be a journalist um, when I was junior, senior in high school, and I... You were in the band junior, senior in high school? Did you do Shake Your Coconuts? Did you write that one? No, baby. Whatever happened to junior, senior, huh? I don't even know who you're talking about. They did I'm that sorry. song that was like, everybody, get on your feet, united. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I can do the whole thing. I... Might need you to. Okay. Uh, yeah, you went into do journalism school. Yeah, so I went to uh, Mizzou, University of Missouri, Columbia. Great Chase school there. Uh, and took my very first journalism class uh, and did not like it. <laughs> what was it about my profession that you hated so much and you judge me for to this day? It was not that. Not that. I actually still have a lot of respect for journalism since my interest in the interview. Sure. Uh, and that was actually the reason I wanted to be a journalist is I very much liked asking people questions. Yeah. Um, I found that I didn't have kind of the competitive spirit needed, you know, like I, I felt like a lot of the people in the class with me were real hungry, mm -hmm. uh, for the scoop. And I was more interested in just kind of having a leisurely chat about interests, which is why I chose English major. I'm I'm loving this because I had the same realization my freshman year at the Marshall Journalism School yeah. I attended. Only I went. It's just four years. <laughs> I can do it for four years. It's, yeah. uh, you know, I don't, uh, I'm uncomfortable talking to strangers and I have <laughs> virtually zero ambition in my career. <laughs> and there's only like, you know, 180, uh, you know, broadcast news networks in the country. And so there's like very few jobs. And so you have to be ferocious. And I'm not like that, but it's, it's really just four years and yeah. I can do anything for four years. Well, part of it, too, was that I didn't have great grades my freshman year. Uh-oh. And our journalism school was pretty competitive. <laughs> okay. Well, there's the other difference is I had terrible grades my freshman yeah, year. Yeah, you had but... to have a minimum GPA requirement, and I was not there. Because, well, my freshman year, I took biology and geology. I thought you were going to say, like, I, I took... And statistics. I took weed. <laughs> no. Well. <laughs> uh, so let me tell you a little bit about the interview. So I actually found this. I found a piece on Terry Gross in the New York Times from 2015. Mm. And because Terry Gross is Terry Gross, they talked a little bit about the history of the interview because she's like the best. Do you think you when know? she gets interviewed about stuff like this, she's like, that's your fucking question? You know, Ugh. right? <laughs> or she helps them out and is like, the question you want question, to ask. Yeah, were you trying to get at this? Uh, so journalistic interviews in the United States began to appear in the 1860s, uh, as we know them today. Before that, reporters didn't typically quote sources, which I think is interesting. What? This is, this is something that I found in that article. No, I'm not saying you're lying. I'm just saying it's unbelievable because like the press was established in America for all intents and purposes as we know it in like the late 18th century. Yeah. And so the, no, what did they do for a hundred fucking years? I mean, I think they, they told the story, but they didn't necessarily feel the need to talk about who they were talking to. Jesus. I know. Isn't that interesting? So they'd be like, George Washington Carver said something about some peanuts. It was really interesting. I should have fucking written <laughs> or like, it down. For example, if a building burned down, they would be like, you know, neighborhood person says the fire was big. <laughs> I, or something like that. Again, like I didn't get it word for word. 
Um, and so this was a, a largely an American phenomenon uh, until after World War II, when television gained popularity and the age of the broadcast interview began. Uh, and also, in this time, psychoanalysis, the other great innovation in opening people up, was beginning to be practiced more widely. Mm, you know that I was deep into that when I was in J school, just all about just peeling back the layers of <laughs> yeah. these strangers I didn't know who I definitely was very anxious to talk to. Well, you also, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but you also had to do the uh, MTV choose or lose thing. Yeah. So I was in uh, chosen every state in the 2008 presidential election. Uh, one sort of young person was chosen to cover the election from that state. I applied, not thinking I would get it, and I did. And so I was West Virginia's hard-nosed political reporter <laughs> for this thing. And it involved me going out on the street and talking to people about their political views, which basically I didn't do, and instead just talked to my friends about their political <laughs> yeah, views. Because I'm the, sure a lot of the, the correspondents oh, did. Oh, yeah. Because here's <laughs> the thing. I know my friends. Yeah, I did on election night have to go to both campaign headquarters in Huntington and interview people there. Um, and that was tough, dog. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. One of them was awesome because it was a fucking party. And the other one was real tough and also full of people I used to go to church with. Oh, Hi, no. what's up? Oh, I'm in a nightmare. Yeah, I'm in a nightmare. Uh, so Terry Gross talks a little bit about how interviewing is like therapy. Uh, she said that she herself started the seeing a therapist and said, quote, when she asks me a question that gets exactly to the heart of what I'm trying to say, but maybe haven't articulated clearly, it just feels so good. My ideal as an interviewer is to be the person who gets it. Like somebody can tell you something really personal. You can ask them something that can help them comfortably move to the next place and go deeper. Hearing someone speak really personally and having that affirm your experience as a sexual person or a sick person or just a person trying to get through daily life is really valuable. And I think that's why we turn to literature. I think that's why we turn to film beyond the entertainment it gives us. Uh, so yeah, I, I guess what, what I respect about that is, is the thing that I always found most interesting about listening to interviews is, is somebody is being asked questions maybe that no one's ever asked them before or the information they haven't really volunteered before. Uh, because there's this intimacy there that you wouldn't get to hear. Maybe even if you were one of their really good friends, that's literally it. Like yeah. I, um, this is the, uh, I did journalism for a very long time. I would not call what I do now that even close at all a little bit, um, which is to say making, um, <laughs> video game fart jokes and videos, uh, and podcasts and stuff. But what I learned over doing it is like really trying to think of something you can ask them that hasn't been asked yeah. and published 45 fucking times. Is it like that's the job? Yeah. Um, and, it's I I it always drove me wild when I would like read an interview or like and not to sound like a like a dick but like be the subject of an interview and just be like I can answer this one before and I'll you yeah. know I'll be attentive and I will I will give you a, a good quote but like 
this story has existed for for a long time. Yeah. And I think that's the mark of really good like interview podcasts. Um and I think that's what makes these these folks so talented and successful is it's like, we talked about Nardwark. Interview podcasts and like the late night talk shows yeah, too. For like, sure. like when you're watching a talk show too, that can be something that happens. It's really exciting. They have a little leg up because the folks who are coming on these shows They've know that they need something new yeah. to talk about that they like that's that's kind of on them. Well, but, yeah, and the host has been set up usually of like, so uh take any great vacations yeah time sure. off? like they're ready to go we talked about nardwar a couple of weeks ago and the the Cam- canadian music uh journalist and like he is the fucking best at this because he goes so deep and spends so much prep time figuring out shit from like their their childhood yeah and that like opened the, they're you know putty in his hands at that point like yeah. they'll tell him anything it's so impressive uh so one thing in this article that ira glass says about terry gross uh, and Ira Glass, as you know, host of This American Life, said, there have been times when I've re-listened, and he's talking about fresh air, just to hear the order of the questions and to figure out what was planned and unplanned, like a magician sitting in on another guy's act for two nights so he can figure out the trick to steal it. Uh, Glass goes on to say that Gross's, uh, has, Gross has great improvisers' performance chops. Not surprising that she loves jazz artists and stand-up comedians so much. She's their journalist peer. I would love to see a show called Glass and Gross. These oh my two, gosh. <laughs> not doing journalism, but like crime fighting. Yes. Yeah. Or just like talking about movies they saw that week. That would be good too. I would. Uh, so that. I wanted just to close out my little segment to talk about the top three most watched interviews on television. Oh. Uh, so number three, not a surprise, Richard Nixon by David Frost in oh, 1977. Yeah. That I mean, was 45 million. Saw the movie, but it wasn't, I was not there. At the, where was I? 1977. Yeah, where was I in 77? Mm. The Cosmos. <laughs> uh, number two, Monica Lewinsky by Barbara Walters in 1999. That was 74 million. Do you know what the top one is? Can you guess? Jesus. Is it, is it recent? Uh, it's in, yeah, it's in our lifetime. Not, not super recent, not in the past 10 years. Uh, I have no idea. Michael Jackson by Oprah. 90 million viewers in 1993. Wow. Nothing has beat that to date. That's wild. I, think, I mean, you get that. Yeah. You, you get you get two heats there, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And it's somebody who's super mysterious. Yeah, for sure. That everybody was like, in 93, wonder, especially. Like, no idea what he's going to say, what he's yeah. going to do. So, yeah. So, I thought that was that was interesting to know that, you know, the highest, highest most watched interview is significantly old at this yeah. point. What's going on? Who we need to, who we need to get on the horn? Who's a famous person? Lady Gaga? No. <laughs> um, do you want to know my first thing? Yes. My first thing is super slow motion videos. Oh, yeah. I've seen you watch these before. You've seen me watch a lot of stuff before because these days, I don't know when this like change happened in my life, but I am prone to going down like internet rabbit holes for hours. Um, and I used to, I guess, have a lot more focus than I currently do. Um, but if I see a video that's like a cooking video or people who are like turning bolts and other hardware into like pieces of jewelry or someone making a table out of some You know some what I pallets, think a lot of it is too is, is the Facebook kind of autoplay video thing. That's it. My f- is that as you're scrolling through your feed, yeah. it'll start playing and then you're suddenly watching I it. I started – and the other problem is that the way they curate it is I started watching a video once of somebody making a, you know, a nut and bolt into a pretty ring yeah. and they were like, well, sounds, sounds like Griffin loves pretty <laughs> ring videos. And I was like, oh, shit, I do. 
Um, but yeah, Vine compilations, videos of hydraulic presses crushing things, uh, airsoft gun tournaments. Like, what? Why am I? But I will. Uh, I spent a lot of time consuming these things, but my favorite rabbit hole to go down is slow motion videos, um, specifically ones showing like sort of natural phenomena rather than like dope skateboard stunts. Um, and I have a reason for why I think this is. Um, and uh, first off, this genre of like slow motion videos, what's really cool is that it has gotten more like exponentially buck wild in the last decade or so because camera technology has actually evolved pretty significantly. Um, because in order to get a slow motion video, the ca- capture, the camera has to be able to capture a higher number of frames per second. Um, and then it shows that that video that it recorded at a, a more standard speed, like 60 frames per second. So it stretches it out to this like long, longer length. So like to define those numbers, if you're not like super familiar with how it works, the average movie is shot at 24 frames per second, Okay. except for Peter Jackson's Hobbit movies, which were 48, which was like fucking disgusting uh the standard for like video games is 60 frames per second and newer phones when you record a video on your phone that's 60 frames per second so you're literally seeing you're seeing 60 images essentially in one second and that that creates the moving video so newer phones can record slow motion um and the standard before was 240 frames per second yeah i was gonna bring that up yes i have noticed that you we all have had this on our phones for several years now 240 frames a second you play that back at 60 frames a second you're looking at a four times speed down right the samsung galaxy s9 which came out very recently has super slow-mo which does 960 frames per second so that's a 16 time like slowing of the video it's really impressive but those are just phones this is where things get a little wild. There are DSLR cameras like the Sony RX10 II, which can shoot at 2,400 frames per oh second. Oh, gosh. Uh, which slows down the video by 40 times, which you can get pretty slow. And a lot of, like, the YouTubers who, like, do shit like this are working with uh, sort of specialty equipment. There are also specialty camcorders. Uh, there's one called the Phantom that can shoot a million frames per second. And you show that back at 60 frames per second. And eventually you're talking about diminishing returns because it can only get really so slow. Um, But like that, you, that allows you to see like uh, a a bullet shooting through a pane of glass. And then that sequence lasting 45 minutes. I have a hard time thinking of any practical application. Um, I mean, the only practical application is like, we're going to set this thing on fire and you're going to watch us, the molecules individually combust in 2011. MIT invented a camera that captures footage at a trillion frames per second. That's absurd. That is high enough to visualize waves of light coming off of a camera flash. Oh my flash. gosh. Uh, there's a video of this online. It came out in 2011 of they take a, uh, a picture of a bottle of water, a full bottle of water that's lying on, on its side. And you can actually watch this wave of light pass through the bottom of it through the water and through the cap. It's like time traveling almost. It's ridiculous. And I'm so glad you said that <laughs> because that's why I'm so fascinated by slow motion videos. It's not just like a neat visual trick. It feels like a way of seeing these secret invisible parts of our world. Yeah, it's like a microscope. It's like a microscope. It's, it's very similar to a microscope. Yeah. The first time you look through a microscope and you're like, oh my God, that's what that's what, stuff in that that's stuff. what stuff looks like. That's really interesting to me because we yeah. are all very, uh, when, when you see a drop of water splash against the surface in real time, it's nothing. You've seen it 
countless times, right? It is not, it does not stand out as anything and you keep on going about your day. When you watch it in super slow motion, it reveals this like beautiful, magical, aquatic detonation that's been there the whole time. You've just never really been able to appreciate it before you saw it like this. And I really like... We watched I, that that video with the balloons. Yeah, so we watched water balloons being thrown into man's head. they stretch so much. I like couldn't believe that they were regular sized balloons. Yeah, but they that's just how balloons... That's just yeah. how water balloons do it. Yeah. Um, I really... I, I'm not being like silly, I feel like, when I say that like, I think it's really incredible and science has so many ways of like revealing this stuff to us to expand your world in a way by making you see these common everyday things that you can't really perceive with your human eye that technology can only be like the only gateway into that stuff. It really does feel, it feels magical. It feels like there's secret stuff happening around you all the time. And I think that's like, so that's so rad. And, and there's uh, so many like YouTubers and, and personalities who have capitalized on this idea. Um, really good slow motion videos will show you like the event being recorded in real time, like a water balloon hitting a dude's face. And you're like, okay, that's a good prank. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Steve, about what your if face. America's funniest home videos was slowed oh, down. Oh, shit. Get him with that <laughs> MIT camera. Every episode would take 48 hours to yeah, watch, and it would just be one true. guy getting hit in the balls at mini golf. <laughs> and he'd be like, it's 6 p.m. We're, um, you know, we're 18 hours in, and the club hasn't even connected with the shorts. If you come back at like 11 a.m. tomorrow, the club will just be touching the shorts. And it's just like 25 minutes of, whoa. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> But you see a water balloon hitting a guy's face in real time, and it's like, okay, good prank. And then they slow it down, you know, a thousand times. And the way that, like, the water sticks to them, almost like a plaster cast, and, like, leaves behind this watery shell that forms, a like, to the shape of their face as before it falls, like... That's really fucking cool. And that's yeah. what happens every time anybody ever gets that's hit with a water balloon. I to like really get my head around when I watch those videos. I'm like, oh, this is incredible. And I like almost don't even think about the fact that like this is always the way it happens. Um, yeah. I should mention I'm very high right now. And so. <laughs> No, but there is an element of like, I am not, but there is an element of like, I think that's a pretty common joke of just like, <laughs> when you're high or whatever, it's just like, oh man, the flowers are so beautiful. But here's the thing, the flowers are pretty fucking beautiful. And these no, slow motion true. videos are like, I don't it's know, true. a way Griffin of kind and of I proving are not high, But so much of this podcast, honestly, is a little like that. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just, I like them because it makes me believe in magic. Not magic, science, but cool science. Not the one where it's just like, we, uh, you know, going to see how this bird mates. And it's like, what have you done for me lately, science? And then like, yeah, but here's a super they slow slowed motion. It down. Of, uh, they slowed down the bird mating. They slowed it down. And then there's a lot of fluid. Ugh, can we talk about the max fun drive? Yes, please. Speaking of fluid. Why are we speaking of fluid? If you have fluid assets. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the Max Fun Drive is happening right now. It ends this Friday. Um, and we ask you during this time, if you enjoy our show and many shows on the network, please consider becoming a supporting member of the Max Fun Network. You can go to maximumfund.org slash donate and look at all the donation levels. Do Pick, it right now because there's right cool now. pins. There's cool pins. There's all kinds of neat prizes. 
prizes is probably not the right word. <laughs> rewards. But rewards. Um, and uh, you'll, you'll help us get to our goal of 25,000 new and upgrading members. Um, and just help support us doing this show. It's our first year doing the Max Fun Drive as wonderful since we sort of changed formats. And so, you know, it's kind of a intimate, not intimate, vulnerable maybe time for us. <laughs> yes. So your support, uh, means, means a lot. It's kind of yeah. our proving grounds a little bit. Uh, the, the monthly membership giving starts at $5 a month. And if you do that, you get days on days of bonus content from all the shows on the network. Our bonus content for wonderful this year was us just uh, talking about listener submissions. We got like 20 listener submissions and went through them all. And you get uh, to hear a lot about Griffin's, um, musical theater background if i remember correctly yeah but i mean that's literally every (laughs) recording i've ever done in my whole life yeah that's really cool we've done so many uh we've done so many bonus episodes and so if you enjoy the show but you've run out of episodes you're fully caught up here's a bunch more uh at ten dollars a month you can get a drive exclusive enamel pin designed by megan lincott uh we've done this last year but this year we have all new designs for wonderful this year it is uh, some French fries with yeah, a little banner. This is wonderful in front of it. It's French very good. Uh, and you also get a max fund membership card. Now at the $10 a month level, you'll also get the bonus content from the $5 a month level. Every time you move up, you get everything in the previous levels. Um, if you're already a member, thank you so much for your support. If you upgrade, then you'll be eligible for, for these rewards this year. Um, $20 a month, the cookbook, the Max Fun Family Cookbook. Yes. This is curated for you by Max Fun Hosts. It's got dozens of recipes from cocktails to desserts to everything in between. Including my chili. It's got Rachel's chili, which is cooking right now downstairs. Yes, in kitchen right now. Oh, we didn't do small wonders. My small wonder is we live in a two-story house now. And All the, the smells waft up. It wafts <laughs> up. Hot air rises, but so does chili stink. And I fucking <laughs> love it. Um, anyway, yeah, it's got that. It's got uh, sp- spaghettigeddon from a Bim Bam recipe. It's got our mom's chess bar recipe and then yeah. all the all the hosts for can you say what chess shows. bars are because i'm not sure a lot of people know isn't it i think it's kind of like what st louis would call gooey butter cake it's basically a gooey butter cake it is um it's like cream cheese and butter and like cake mix for the base powdered sugar right? and then the top is like powdered sugar and egg yeah. sort of a mm. sort of a, a nougaty that's not nougaty no. but creamy yeah it's real good Mm -hmm. um anyway you also get a set of cookie cutters they are handsome and space themed and that's very good and we have other levels too if you if you really want to go whole hog we we sure do appreciate it uh all the levels are at maximumfund.org slash donate but we really don't want we don't care what level you you donate at we really really don't the only thing that matters to us is that you are able to show your support for our show and say like this show means enough to me that i am you know going to make a contribution to to help keep it going and growing we've gotten a lot of really nice tweets uh in the first week of the fun drive with the uh, hashtag max fun drive of people uh saying that they've donated and why they like the show and that's been really, it's really awesome. cool to see because uh, yeah. it's it's really nice to get that feedback um if you don't have the means totally understand we would not ask you to like make a contribution that uh, you're you're unable to keep up with but if you do have the means and you want to think of it like a netflix or a hulu where you know you're paying a regular uh, amount of money for the content that you enjoy and you enjoy this content then think about going to maximumfund.org slash donate and uh, chip chipping in and, and you, yeah and you can indicate as many shows as you listen to yeah so which is really great for some of the other new shows on the network uh because they're still getting their footing and so it's a good opportunity to not just pick 
you know, your favorite, but everybody you listen to, and then they'll all see a little, yeah, little bit. Whenever you, uh, whenever you donate, you choose which shows you listen yeah. to, and it splits your donation between them. It's a very democratic way yes. of handling this. Anyway, that's enough. We're going to get back to the rest of the show. MaximumFun.org slash donate. And thank you all so much. Okay, my second thing. Mm-hmm. And if I have done this before, then I'm in trouble. Oh, shit. Um, my second thing, and we talked about a lot of beverages on this show, so I am nervous that this is a beverage we've covered. Is Dick Tracy? No, <laughs> it's overalls. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, it's root beer. I don't think we did root beer. I don't beer. think we talked about root beer. You're talking about that bubbly sarsaparilla stuff, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I love this brown sweet fluid i get this at everywhere a <laughs> and w mugs bargs do they even make bargs anymore yeah oh. okay bargs is actually kind of gross but the other stuff i'm all about this root beer what is that ca- is it categories where you have words on a card that oh, you can't say yeah sometimes doing a podcast with you is like <laughs> Where I talk about root beer, and you're like, you know, that brown liquid. I just love this stuff. <laughs> Bubbly. <laughs> um, so root beer has been around for a super long time. Uh, it's actually been sold in stores since the 1840s. Nice. Just before we figured out how to do interviews. <laughs> right. It's a big time for America. Uh, it's a North American soft drink traditionally made using the sassafras tree or the vine, which is sarsaparilla as the primary flavor. Does this have Appalachian roots? I mean, I didn't, I didn't go down to the actual location. Okay. In West Virginia in middle school, quick aside, uh, we had to take a West Virginia history class. Yeah. I didn't. We had to do a Missouri one. Okay. Uh, I think it's, I think it's standard. I didn't pay very good attention in school in general. Um, but I do remember there was one day where our teacher brought in a big thing of sarsaparilla tea he had made. And I was like, this is going to be gross. And I drank it. And I was like, well, it tastes like flat root beer. So it's better than I was expecting, but also kind of gross. And I think he told us it was, it had like Appalachian origins, but he could have been full of shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so pharmacist Charles Elmer Hires was the first to successfully market a commercial brand of root beer. He developed his root tea made from sassafras in 1875 and debuted a commercial version of root beer at the Philadelphia Centennial Exposition in 1876. Uh, Hires was a teetotaler. A what? Teetotaler. It's when somebody doesn't drink. A teetotaler? Teetotaler. Did you say teetotaler? <laughs> Baby, it's so good. I don't think I ever knew how to say that. <laughs> Taylor, oh my God! You fill my life with light and love. Oh, Rachel, I think I've only ever read that word. Oh God, it's so good. Yeah, yes, um, teetotaler. Oh man. Okay. Can we can we renew our vows right now? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. So sick. Okay. So he wanted to call the beverage root tea. However, he wanted to market the product to Pennsylvania coal miners, so he decided to call it root beer. Uh, and it also, during Prohibition, became very popular as a non-alcoholic. 
drink. Was it just because it had the same name and they're like, we could just make pretend? Yeah, there was so little alcohol to be fine. So you here- knew there were some like folks back then who were like, what is this root beer? Yeah, let me give it a shot. Whoa, I'm so faded right now. Like just faking it. So here's something interesting that's worth noting. So you mentioned uh, sassafras. And uh, one thing to know is that saffron, the aromatic oil found in sassafras roots and bark uh, that gave traditional root beer the flavor, was banned for commercially mass-produced food and drugs by the FDA in 1960 because lab animals that were given oral doses of sassafras tea uh, that contained large doses of saffron developed permanent liver damage. For various types of cancer. My fucking middle school teacher made me drink this. So sassafras is no longer used in commercially produced root beer and is sometimes substituted with artificial flavors, natural acts, nat- natural axe body spray, <laughs> natural extracts with the saffron distilled and removed are available. God, fucking millennials got us again. <laughs> took my <laughs> took my cool GI Joes with their real bladed swords. I mean it was it was banned in 1960. Yeah, so I know. <laughs> I know, the millennials. Time traveling um, millennials. So Bark started in 1898. Uh and then in 1919 came A&W root beer. Uh and so yeah, this is like this is a real old old soda. My uh, connection to root beer. Yeah, please. Uh, it, so naturally sassafras root or whatever, you know, variation they make now doesn't have caffeine in it. And so when I was oh. a kid, I had this rare skin condition called urticaria pigmentosa, which was my skin was real blotchy, uh, and were real sensitive to irritation. And one of the things they thought would exacerbate that was caffeine. So I didn't have caffeine a lot as a kid. And so I could have root beer. Interesting. So I developed a real taste for it as a kid. And that taste continues today. Huh. They used to think, or at least the one doctor I saw thought, that it was complicated by caffeine. So I didn't have any I also turned to root beer because of a health condition because I had a horrible uh, kidney stone in college that like shut shut my ass down (laughs) for like three months. Um, They should start advertising (laughs) root beer that way. Well, here's the thing. My doctor said... Um, you really shouldn't drink dark sodas anymore. And yeah. I was drinking Coke and all that yeah. stuff every day. And so I said, okay, I'm going to drink root beer. And he was like, that's still a dark soda. And I had already left the office. I was like, I can't hear you. I don't like it down on much like Coke Pepsi products anymore. But a root no, beer somehow either. in my mind, and it makes no sense, just feels like I'm doing something better for my body. When we uh, when we go to fast food places, I'll usually ask for a lemonade or a root beer. It's true. It's a little treat for myself. Nonconformist. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. That Coke tries to get me back, and they're like, we got one that tastes like uh, cayenne pepper. And it's like, nah, Diet Coke. I'm with root beer now. <laughs> I'm with root beer. Quit trying to steal me away. Hey. Hey. <laughs> um, my second thing, can I tell you about it? Yes. It's a song. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Like we've never done songs before on the show. Uh, I know. I usually try to bring like one artist's like b- whole body of work or one entire yeah. album, but I just wanted to focus on one song. Uh, it is by Casey Musgraves, uh, yeah, who is yeah. a, a, a sort of country turned sort of country pop artist who has a new album out that just came out in March called Golden Hour. And I wanted to talk about the opening track off of it, which is called Slow Burn. Um, so like I've only had kind of a passing familiarity with Casey Musgraves in the past. It's been a really long time since I've been a consumer of country music, despite it sort of being the focus of my dad's career for several decades. I had a Tim McGraw phase as I think all 
like no. young. Uh, no. Well, I mean, like insert. I think in West Virginia. Okay, I was gonna say no. Not for me. No matter who you are in West Virginia in like 1994, you were a big Tim McGraw fan. You had all his cassettes. Um, but I passed through that fairly quickly and then never really dabbled that. What much. was your favorite Tim? Tim McGraw? Yeah. I mean, Jesus. I mean, don't, it's hard to beat. Don't, don't take the girl. And that really was like my jam. And that's sad. Also, um, I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. You know that <laughs> oh one? Oh my gosh. Do you know that one? Yeah. No, I'm just picturing little Griffin singing that no, song. Like standing at the big toy on the playground singing. Um, okay. Oh, okay. Anyway. Wait, 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 wait. Can we address the fact that you say big toy? Because that's not something that most people say, I don't think. Big toy? Is that a is that another sort I think of it might regional be a rural thing? Interesting. Yeah, we called it like big. It, big what what would you call it? Equipment. Like the thing that the playground equipment with it had like the slide and the jungle gym, but it was one big thing, so it wasn't just an individual slide or jungle gym. It was the big toy. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Casey Musgraves' new album Golden Hour uh, just came out, and like I said, it kind of has more uh, of a pop country aesthetic to it there's one track that's just like straight up disco jams um it it has just kind of moved away from this like pure country thing and it's so it's a bit of a reinvention but one that is not um shitty uh like i don't want to cast aspersions but i feel like there there have been a lot of uh, modern artists that uh, are sort of the popular artists of the day uh, who are like, all right, now I'm moving on to something new and it's going to be really convoluted as I sort of ex- experiment with this new stuff. And it, it, with mixed success, there have definitely been folks who have pulled it off better than others. What I like about this album in terms of like it being a, a reinvention, if you want to call it that, it's really fucking accessible. It goes down so smooth. Um, and I think a big part of that is that the all, all the music on it is is very idealistic, which is kind of another change from her past album. She kind of had like sort of more of a cynical, hard edged country sort of bent. Um, but now it's just very like it's 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 very optimistic. I read a review that described it as like Casey is singing about these like lovely things she's noticed about the world to an audience that she assumes has never heard about them before, which is not, it's not to say that there was something like naive in what she's singing about, but rather like it's a reflection of sort of the earnestness with which she's singing about them. And that's so refreshing. And I have this attunement, I think because of my upbringing, despite the fact that I was, you know, never a big country music guy, I do have this attunement to a certain genre of country or country adjacent music that I can only describe as like music for driving down like a country road on a nice night with the windows down. I was just thinking of that the other day. There's something about listening to country music that like kind of conjures that feeling, even if it's not an experience that you had that often. Yes. And I think it's, it's kind of the sentimentality of a lot of the lyrics often. Like you'll hear people talking about, Sitting on a porch swing or well, that's, riding around in a truck. It gets and, so meta because then there are country songs literally about this explicit feeling. Yeah, I know. You're right. Uh, I feel like that's like a huge subgenre of country music. Yeah. That song is like, it's a little bit of chicken fried, cold beer on a Friday. You're just talking about things you like. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I only know that song because of karaoke. Literally every time I go out to karaoke, somebody busts that jam out. <laughs> um, anyway, that aesthetic is like this album all over. So I, I wanted to talk about the opening track, Slow Burn, because I can't get it out of my head from the literally the first time I listened to it like a week ago. Uh, so I'm going to play a little bit of Slow Burn right now. Good in a glass, good on green, good when you're putting your hands all over me. I'm alright with 
So like first things first, her voice fucking rules. It's yeah. I don't I don't have any like good poetic way to like <laughs> describe it. It's just very fucking good. It's a very good voice. It reminds me the music itself reminds me kind of like a like a bluegrass kind of inspired. A little bit, yeah. So. And and that I think her her first album which was called Same Trailer Different Park had definitely leaned into that a little bit more. Yeah. Now it's a little bit more subtle and again it mixes with sort of more pop stuff there. But like musically, it is gorgeous that like yeah. that droning acoustic guitar, uh, like underpinning Casey's voice, which is very, very good. Um, it's just phenomenal. Um, and that run on slow burn that she sings yeah, in the chorus is like, beautiful. it's really, really good. Um, so like musically, great. What I really like about it also is as far as like autobiographical songs goes, uh, it's one of the better ones. I feel like even though it delivers that data, in a very small number of words. Yeah, it's um, a very specific, like, I think that's what separates it from a lot of the country songs we were talking about, is that the details are so specific. They're very specific, like, born in a hurry, always late, ain't, uh, haven't been early since 88. Uh, and I was like, huh, I googled, and she was uh, premature, born, yeah. she was prematurely born six weeks uh, early, wow. and weighed five pounds when she was born. It's like a really specific detail. Yeah, that's a great way Grandma cried it. when I pierced my nose. The phrase, good in a glass, good on green, good when you're putting your hands all over me me like that's so fucking good and i feel like i know a lot about you and you delivered it in three lines what is what a good on glass good on green mean i think i took good on i good in a glass means like i can i can drink with the best of them good on green like uh i my original thing was the golf like i'm a good golfer but it probably just means like (laughs) i'm good being outdoors or something yeah i don't know but anyway um it, but like this, this idea of like the autobiographical song, like any song, I'm, I'm so fascinated by songs where artists sing about themselves or their history. Yeah. Um, whether it is more of a, you know, a coal miner's daughter or anything like, you know, any song, there's, there's great compilation videos online of, uh, musicians, particularly rappers, saying literally the words explicitly, just let me introduce myself, um, <laughs> which has been in like 40 songs or so. And it's just like, what in, what information have you chosen to share with me? Stop what you're doing because I'm about to ruin the, the image and the style that you're used to. I don't think I knew what image and style I was. <laughs> I don't think I had that locked in my mind, um, Mr. Humpty. Um, <laughs> But I find those songs really interesting. And what I think is really cool about this song is it just like gets across a lot of stuff really quickly. Um, that even though it's sparse, it paints a really clear picture, I feel yeah, like, of, of who this person is. Um, and it's a really like, it's a really personal song on a really personal album that kind of reconciles this somewhat different, more optimistic persona than she presented in, in like the moods that were in her previous albums. Um, and this is covered kind of in the, the liner notes. If you buy like the physical album, there's a, a letter that she included about how she had this kind of moment of enlightenment while she was making this record uh, on her 29th birthday, which which was during when she was making this record, is when the solar eclipse happened. And it apparently was this huge moving moment for her uh, that that sort of inspired the direction that this album went. And the, the notes say, uh, this is from her letter, there are different masks that we all wear that represent different sides of ourselves. None of them are solely us, and yet they all are. There's the lonely girl, the blissful girl, the new wife, the daughter missing her mother, the hopeful girl, the selfish girl, the sarcastic rhinestone Texan, the shy girl and the life of the party, the winner, the loser. They're all characters on this record. None of them alone are me, and yet they all are. The golden hour is when all the masks come together as one and you can see in perfect light the whole picture of me 
um, I don't know. I just think that the, the, the idea of music that musicians have written and performed about themselves is a very fucking tricky needle to thread. Yeah. Um, but this whole, uh, obviously this song is very explicit in how it does it, but like, I think the whole album kind of paints a picture in a beautiful way. Um, well, and so much of the industry is like selling a particular version of yourself. A brand, that, that yeah. That people will think is the most marketable. Uh, and so to come out with kind of a complicated portrait is kind of a risky move. Especially especially, especially when it doesn't really look like the portrait that has been like painted in the past. Yeah. Um, and, and this happens a lot. And, and it can be like anything as extreme as, you know, fucking... Chris Gaines coming out or when uh, Christina came out with Dirty and was like, this is this is my new There's style. There's a whole now. documentary about the Dixie Chicks when they took kind of a more political stance and lost a lot of their... Yeah, I mean, that one was more that was more organic, right? That was them like making a decision and speaking their, their truth and that truth had always been there. I'm talking explicitly about just like, this is who I am now. It's a new me. And yeah. it, at times like that can feel, you know, like a commercial decision or it can feel like, you know, it can feel like anything. And I, I don't know, it's interesting to see a, a musician sort of do it in a way that feels like organic and it feels like, oh, okay, that's actually, that makes sense. That's who you've always, that's, that's who you've always been. We're just like seeing yeah. it now. It's like a slow motion video of a, <laughs> of an artist's life, you know, secret worlds, invisible worlds. Anyway, she's probably not talking about golf there, huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I thought you would have had it all figured out. That's why I asked. Even if I don't, it still sounds good, huh? But no, maybe she's got a go- maybe she's a great golfer. I don't know. Maybe it does. Do you want to know some submissions? Yes. Here is one from Haley who says, Something I find wonderful is wildflower season. One of my favorite things about living in Austin is getting to see the beautiful patches of colorful flowers lining the highway in the springtime. It makes Central Texas that much more gorgeous. Oh, it's incredible right now. It's so good. I mean nasally speaking it is horrible oh, yeah it's it my fucking, worst allergy it is so season horrible. ever um but like I, I don't think a lot of people understand that austin and like hill country texas is actually like pretty scenic and, and like environmentally interesting oh it yeah is not, when i moved to texas i thought it was all flat yeah there's a lot of cacti no we got hills and trees and flowers yeah. and rivers and the creeks central and, texas region also called hill country is very beautiful yeah and especially this time of year uh sharon says i've loved uh, i've always loved when a dog gets so excited that it starts sneezing i didn't know this Oh, I've seen dogs do this before. I didn't realize it was related to excitement. But I recently learned they do it to signal non-aggression so other dogs will play with them. And now I love it even more. Oh, my gosh. Hey, man, are you cool? (laughs) Okay, you're cool. Let's do this. I got a ball. You want to see it? (laughs) No, I get it. You're you're cool. You don't have to. You think some dogs are really bad at fake sneezing? Oh. And then they can't make friends. Or they want to attack. They're like a coyote. Or, or coyote. Yeah. They're yeah, uh, a, a coyote. Chew. And they're like, ah, oh, chew. Oh, the cedar. Anyway, we'll play. A chew, a chew. <laughs> well, this has autocorrected somebody's name to something that, that's definitely not their name. But I'm going to go ahead and... um. Okay, hold on. Yes. Okay. This is from Loring, not loving, which is what <laughs> my document said it was. Um, here's something that tickles me. The full scientific name for the Western lowland gorillas is Gorilla, Gorilla, Gorilla. <laughs> I recommend Yay. saying it out loud for maximum effect. <laughs> sure enough, this is like the most common sort of type of gorilla. And the scientific name is Gorilla, Gorilla. 
Gorilla. Oh my gosh, Griffin, let's start a band. Gorilla, Gorilla, it. Gorilla. I think yes. somebody's definitely, definitely done I a band on this. I would assume so. Um, that is very good. Sorry that we did so many animal facts. It feels like maybe this show is moving <laughs> in that direction, but animals are so great. Yeah. And so are you for supporting us in the Max Fun Drive. Thank this you. is our last plea because uh, the, the Max Fun Drive wraps up this Friday. We'll be back to sort of our regular style next week, but uh, take a moment this week. And think about supporting us with a donation at MaximumFun.org slash donate. Get the the great rewards. Get the get the feeling of knowing every time you listen to our podcast from from then on that like you've helped to support us and help us to create this thing. Because that sense of of uh, you know cooperation is 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 pretty cool. I was a Max Fun donor before I was a you know a host of a Max Fun show, and I still am. Um, yeah, we're because, currently Max Fun donors. Because, I actually did it independently before Griffin and I got married. Yeah. Um, double dipping, double dipping, double, double carafts this year. That's one of the pledge gifts. Um, but anyway, uh, it, it really means a lot to us and we appreciate your support. Uh, and thank you. Thank you all so much. We've, we've had a really cool, like really nice turnout so far and you all have been, it, it really means a lot to us again, because this is sort of a, still a new show that we're doing here and it, it means a lot that y'all think so much of it. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to Bowen and Augustus for the uh, use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. Find a link to that in the episode description. And thanks to Max Fun. And um, I think that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we just end it with like a nice stretch. Like we just say, hey, let's all just stretch. Oh, that might be nice. I mean, it would feel good. It would feel good. Everybody just take a minute and I'll walk you through a quick stretch. Take your knee. (laughs) With your with your hand, just grab it as hard as you can. Yeah, knee. What's up now? I'm stretching you. <laughs> Feels so relaxed right now. Griffin's never stretched before. No, but I think this is how it is done. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.